So if anyone's looking for text for a throw pillow for your cushions, like for a sofa, I really recommend James. James is the way to go. Um, these one-liners um, are not really available in other parts of the Bible in quite the same way. Maybe in Proverbs, just fire out of James. Be careful if you want to be a teacher. It's an interesting weekend for us because it's rally day and we are back and it feels good to be back and we have some great things coming up as celebrations soon in this community. Um, but as always, those things also, um, are it's a complicated time, right? There, um, there's been loss again um, and this is a time of um, memorial of loss as well in our country. Jesus says today, take up your cross. So in James, we read that the tongue, a small thing, can cause such enormous harm. And James and Isaiah write about the virtue of wise teachers, of teachings we can hear, that we can bear, that are the truth. So I want to offer what I think is a fairly simple teaching, but one that um, I've been working on all of my life. Let us be sure that our teaching, what we offer, what we take in, what we hear, honors the dignity of all, of all bodies, all people, and keeps us in that holy place of wonder and love and delight in one another. So first, the cross. An ancient historian described the road into Jerusalem in the first century as lined with crosses. Scholars tell us that those crosses were placed there literally to terrorize the Jews. Terror is a very old idea, unfortunately. We didn't make it up. They were there, these crosses, to remind them of the power of Rome, the Roman Empire that were their rulers. Jerusalem was occupied, and through all of the time that we read about in the New Testament, every one of those things that we're reading, and in the time of some of the prophets in the Old Testament, and we read from Isaiah today, um, the times of actually being an independent people as Israel or Judea or something like that, not occupied, not exiled, not under attack or threat, are very, very few. The stories of the Bible overwhelmingly happen in a political tension when something really tough is happening in government, that someone else is in charge, or there's the risk of that. In Jesus' time, the cross was the punishment for insurrection. If you dared to challenge Rome or its laws or its justice, its authority, the other side of that observation would be that a lot of people in ancient Jerusalem clearly were unhappy with the Romans and were pretty defiant if there had to be a spectacle like that in place to keep people from rising up. They seemed inclined to rise up. And this is actually very well documented. The Romans took on huge construction projects, which was the focus of a lot of this tension, big vanity projects like palaces and monuments. And the only way you pay for them, and this goes back to almost everyone's founding story, is taxation. People were mad because they were being taxed, right? I mean, today, you could, it's sort of like our infrastructure projects, right? It was sort of the infrastructure projects of their time, except that they had not all agreed. They were occupied. So when Jesus today says, take up your cross, his listeners would have known exactly what he meant. It wasn't philosophical or theoretical or theological. It's concrete. They might have actually walked by one that day or could look right up at the horizon maybe from where they were sitting and see one. 
maybe give it its attention, which was all they could do. They were powerless, and they might have been sympathetic to the person on that cross or who had been on that cross, or they might not have. They might have thought that guy was a bit much, right? God bless him. But to be clear, those crosses were not decorative like ours. They would have been the remnants of actual crucifixions, and that happened a lot then. Frail human flesh up against the most powerful empire on the planet, with a tree broken and reformed as an instrument of torture as its symbol. A version of that would be if our jails or prisons were turned inside out, and we could see them all the time, the insides. Take up your cross, Jesus says today. Walk right into it. Be who you are. Yesterday, our nation observed the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And yesterday, probably like you, I listened on and off all day to the names and stories of people who died that day in New York or Pennsylvania or Washington, D.C. This year, everyone more beautiful with time, a twin brother, a mother, a father, so many sons and daughters of still grieving parents, Muslims, Sikhs, Arabs, and South Asians telling their stories of a new fear of the suspicion of them by their neighbors, the stories of passers-by, of onlookers, people far away watching on television, most of us, stunned, paying attention in that way we do when our attention is all we have to offer, even if it is just for the news or the radio. So I was not in New York City on 9-11. I had gone to school there. I was back in Los Angeles. But I was scheduled to be there in October of that year, just a few weeks after this had happened, for an interview. And the airports were open again, so I went. And I went down to the site. And at the time, it had a chain-link fence around it. The hole was still visible. It was still smoking. It still smelled. And there were pictures of missing people all around it. It was so sad, the shrine. I remember the young man who came to see me at around the same time in my office in L.A., a student at UCLA. He had enlisted. He was glowing. His girlfriend looked much more tentative than he did. And he had come because he wanted a prayer before he left for Georgia, where he had been assigned for basic training. He was going to Afghanistan, he said. He was going to help. For the past five years of my life, when I walked to church on Sunday for the 8 a.m. or the 9.15 family service over at St. Paul's Chapel, I walked through the memorial park where the Twin Towers once stood. You can run your fingers over the grooves of the names carved into the stone and feel them as you read them. There are always some flowers or some candles, some sign that someone loved someone whose name is there. The memorial is two massive squares that frame a fountain that falls down into the earth like a waterfall, like an inverted font, an endless pouring of waters into the hole that was the foundation of those towers. The spray washes up when the wind hits the water, like a strange little blessing as you walk by, a memorializing of the humanity at the heart of even the most defining historic moments. A remarkable diverse a remarkably diverse array of names, unplanned yet representative of our great American diversity, ordinary Americans at the heart of American power. Jesus says, take up your cross. It was complicated in his time as well, and he is clear. It has to do with choosing to live, to live the one life in the one fragile body we are given, to declare its freedom from the powers that would constrain it. 
And to be very clear, your cross is not you, not who you are. Your cross is not what someone else has put upon you as a burden. It is not for someone else to decide for you. It is not sickness or disability or mental health struggles. It is not any part of your identity or the desires of your heart or the color of your skin. That is you, the one life that Jesus says. There is nothing that you can give in exchange for. It is uniquely for you and precious. Those are places for love and delight. You are not a burden. Crosses, and Jesus seems to imply we can all find one to carry, crosses are where who we are and what we know to love and be concerned for and that world around us, which as Christians we often call empire, like that Roman empire of the time, it's where our humanity and that power collide. And the powerful display of the cross is that power that can be held over us that does not honor these precious bodies. Now, I grew up in churches that would tell us it was really simple to be a Christian. Follow Jesus, follow the rules. I haven't actually found it to be that simple. I feel like I'm learning all the time, and I can't learn fast enough. Learning about who I am, learning about this faith, learning what a church can be as the world changes around us. What is worth rising up for? Take up your cross, Jesus says. A foolish idea, even at the time, but one upon which our faith relies. We know how it turns out. And this year, the risk of foolishness that I'm finding that I carry is really easy tears for the vast number of people who have died in the past year of a virus the world did not get organized around controlling. Our full hospitals, our ease as a people in blaming individuals, in believing conspiracy theories, a lot of that took flight around 9-11, remember? The tongue is so small, it says in James, and like a small rudder can steer a large ship. We can become the instruments of our own doom, it tells us, and helpless to do much about it swirl around us. Take up your cross, Jesus says. The ways of the world are not our ways. Always, always more complicated, more beautiful, more complex, more tender, more holy, more precious. Where you find it easy to dismiss another or yourself, take a pause and feel the grooves of a name under your fingers. Imagine them the spray of water because the wind has come by just so. Those foundations are so vast and we are so small. Take up your cross, Jesus says, your one precious life. Listen to the stirrings of your own heart. For what or for whom has God made you to rise up?